0: Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can
1: hear you. The rest of the world hears you.
0: And Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval
1: Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. Now, here's Roger Stone.
0: Welcome back. I'm Roger Stone, and this is the Roger Stone on 77 WABC Radio. Uh, Today it is my great honor and privilege to welcome a true friend. Robert Davi is an international multi-dimensional star of the first magnitude. He is not only an award-winning prolific actor with over 150 films to his credit, but he is also a screenwriter, director, producer, uh, and what some may not be aware of, an extraordinary jazz vocalist. Robert Davi, thank you so much for joining us today on The Roger Stone Show.
1: Thank you for having me, my dear friend. Uh,
0: So you have made the move from California Uh, to the free state of Florida. Let's start there. How are you uh, enjoying life uh, in the Sunshine State, and how is your family?
1: Well, we're wonderful, thank you. Uh, First off, as you know, I've lived in, I came from New York originally, born there went to California in 1977 because Sinatra brought me there to do a film, finished one that we started in New York called Contract on Cherry Street. Stayed in Los Angeles for 46 years. It was beautiful, terrific. And slowly by slowly, it became a, I won't use a profanity, but it was uh, some kind of a bad hole that it became. And it was unsafe for my, I felt for my family. And uh, those that wanted came with me to, uh, to Florida. And I love it here. We live in Tampa Bay, and it's amazing.
0: Yeah, it really is, I think, the last best vestige of freedom. That is not an understatement, although. It would be unrealistic for us to think that the problems that are engulfing the rest of the country will not ultimately manifest itself here. Uh, it's interesting that as these this flood uh, of uh, mi- literally millions of illegals flood the country over our southern border, uh, they are shipped out across the country, including to Florida. Uh, it is, uh, I think, Sadly, at this juncture, perhaps the number one problem in the country. But before we get into uh, what's going on, go
1: ahead. Yeah, yeah, because the immigration issue, I wrote about it, Roger and Breitbart, in 2010. I I met Mitch McConnell in Hollywood one day when he was meeting a bunch of us Hollywood people. And I had a one-on-one with him. And I said to him, what about immigration? And he looked me, his look was like there was nothing behind his eyes. I said, this was in 2010. Right? I says, we need to fix it. Stop all immigration. Fix this. Close the border. And provide a path of citizenship for people that are here now, which I had a great plan for that path. I wasn't to, to, to anyone with any criminal past get out, but anyone that was a, a hardworking individual that wanted to pledge allegiance to the United States to learn English. But every year they were here illegally. Do some, combine, some kind of community service one day a week, four hours a day, four hours on a Saturday or Monday, whatever day they choose, that put them on the line to become citizens. And I thought this was in 2010. But they didn't even want to broach immigration as they continue to Both sides are corrupt. So I uh, end up that one. But the crisis we have today is frightening. It's frightening.
0: Uh, it, it really is. I mean, there's 118 uh, gateways that are welded open uh, just on the Arizona-U.S. border or the Arizona-Mexico border. I had Carrie Lake was here uh, in South Florida, had dinner with her the other night. Uh, And the flood of illegals uh, is uh, just uh, overwhelming, not just in those in the Border Patrol, but those in local law enforcement. Uh, And look, this is not a mistake. This is not a wrong-headed or misguided policy this is the purposeful policy of the current administration uh it is to flood the country with illegals the short-term cost is obvious crime drugs uh, the social welfare costs of feeding these people, transporting these people, uh, protecting these people. Uh, that falls on you and I and the hardworking taxpayers of the country. Uh, it is without any question now moved in my mind uh, to be the, the number one problem in the country. And it boggles my mind that we are shipping billions of dollars to Ukraine to fight to protect their border, from, in this case, a Russian invasion, when we don't seem to be willing to spend the money to seal our own borders. It's it's Kafkaesque. It's, it's almost surreal. It's so unbelievable.
1: It's seditious. It's treasonous. And all these politicians on both sides need to be pulled out of office. I wish there was some way, but you can't wake up the American people. There are too many people that are not, you know, it's... it's in the like film and network you had peter finch warning people you know get off your chairs i'm as mad as hell that i won't take it any longer well people some are doing it some are but not enough and then the minute some people like what the the insurrection night thing that happened there that they talk about but ad infinitum uh that was in response to watching our country get destroyed for two years and the democrats doing nothing and i mean the whole it's a corrupt it's corrupt it's corrupt our government is corrupt and it's unfortunate uh,
0: not that long ago i had a, a an actor friend come visit me in south florida very very well known someone you you would know robert a very good guy thinks like you and i do uh and i said he said do you want to have dinner and i said great where do you want to go and he said well uh could we go someplace where we won't be seen i said pardon me he said, well, yeah, you know, i really like to go someplace where we won't be seen because, well, you know, the the Hollywood system, you know, I need work. And if it became known that you and I were friends and that you're a friend and longtime confidant of President Trump's, not to mention controversial in your own right, well, I'd probably get blackballed. I'd never find work again. I, I follow your writing for Breitbart and your media appearances, uh, incredible film you made recently uh, about, of all things, Hunter Biden back in the news today. You are yeah. fearless uh, and you don't seem to care about the potential negative uh, uh, impact uh, on your career. Now, maybe it's just because you you are so incredibly talented, but uh, I, my hat's off to you because you really have an enormous amount of courage.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Roger. Well, of course, we. Could. It's if it's a, It affects. There are people there. You know, my manager will say, "Hey, they were offering you this," and then we think it's going to come in, and uh, it goes up the tank, and then somebody somewhere says, "Oh no," and that's true. I've, I've had that told to me personally, face to face, and also in 2016, I was offered tons of stuff. If I would have denounced Trump at a certain point, they say, "Name your ticket from a from." <laughs> a head person who had an emissary tell me, if, if you come out now, blah, 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 and I wouldn't do it. I, I can't. And and the thing about Hollywood is that they want diversity in every aspect of your life except except thought. And, uh, you know, it's, it's shocking to me that they are so immersed. They're marinated in an extreme left-wing elite idealism that is out of touch with the common man. I grew up where a father worked three jobs died at fifty six years old mom died young you know different different world a different world and i I understand progress I'm all for progress I'm all for wonderful things happening in our world in, in the environment and energy and progress I'm all for that but I'm not ready for sedition i'm not ready for you know they they, they want to say that the italian American came over in the nineteen turn of the century you know by droves. Well, my, like yeah, my grandparents from Sicily and Naples came over, as I'm sure yours may have from certain areas. But we had to have, they had to have a place to stay, they had to have a sponsor, they had to have a potential job, and they had to have health certificate, and they had to have a few dollars. And people want to equate it, like oh well, the night I think AOC came out and said, well they came across in the from 1850, it was 76, 86. And to, to 19 whatever it was, the 19 something or two, a case came in massively, much more. Ma- what? And, and no one challenges them. And you know what gets me sick, Roger, more than anything, the Senate and the and the Congress, these guys, you, you get I'm watching the anyone watching the hearings, these inquiries, you know, you get a left wing guy up and he's like yelling and saying this. And you get the other, you get the Republican up there, except for Nancy Mace, who kind of like. But where's the passion? And the same thing happened in the debates. The debates had no, you know, they, they had no humor. They had no charm, the debates. They had a lot of intensity, but not the humor and charm that you need to seduce or to get a point across at this anyway. I digress. I'm sorry. Forgive me.
0: No, it's actually very, very good. I I, I agree with you. I, look, I'm the ultimate uh, political junkie. I had to turn that debate off. People shouting over, over each other, all of it with these pre-scripted, pre, pre-memorized lines. Uh, everybody trying to insult everybody else. No, I'm sorry. There, was, there wasn't there was a Ronald Reagan in that crowd. There, there wasn't a Donald Trump in that crowd. There was not a statesman or stateswoman in that crowd. You had a bunch of... Venal politicians, career politicians, with the exception of Vivek, and I think his 15 minutes may be over, uh, but uh, all try to top each other uh, with no spontaneity, nothing entertaining or interesting about it. The only thing worse in politics than being wrong is being boring or being unpredictable. So that, yeah, they say, I want to close the border, but w- we've got to stand with the people of Ukraine. Well, how about closing our border first? Before we ship billions more unaccounted to to a a war in Ukraine where everything we're being told, in my opinion, based on military experience uh, uh, experts I talked to, including General Michael Flynn, almost all of the war propaganda we're being told in the United States is wrong. It's just propped up to get those uh, with the levers of power and the checkbook to write bigger and bigger checks. Uh, 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 The country is is spinning out of control. Look, I'm an optimist. Uh, I want to think uh, that uh, this current head of steam by Donald Trump, which is unlike anything I've seen in 13 political campaigns for president in 45 plus years in uh, American politics, I've never seen anything like this resurgence Uh, And the fact that it just seems to be true that the harder you hit him, the harder you try to frame him for some non-existent crime, (laughs) the stronger he gets. uh, And his personal mood, because I spent time with him not long ago, uh, a lesser man would be under the bed. This guy is (laughs) cheerful. He's optimistic. He's determined. He's resolute. He's he's funny. uh, He's in a terrific mood. Yet he knows he's in the fight of his life.
1: His life. You know, it's funny. In 2016, the the day he announced and came down that escalator, I wrote on Breitbart that he was going to be the one and why and the whole idea of it all. And I framed it all out. And I says, I know that Donald Trump, the end statement was, I know that Donald Trump has a knockout punch. My only question is, how hard is his chin? That's the last statement I say in this article after telling what the populist movement and what the government, same stuff that they're doing today, but now it's on steroids, how we're getting roomed. and why he needed to be the president. How hard is his chin? My gosh, have we not seen how hard his chin is, Roger? I mean, think about that. It's astounding.
0: Now he's literally the toughest guy I know. Look, I worked for Richard Dixon. He was a very tough guy. Uh, I yes. worked for Senator Bob Dole. They told him he'd never walk again. He'd never have the use of his arms or his hands again. He'd never be able to feed himself again. Uh, he was hit by a shell in World War II. Uh, he, he uh, just through sheer determination uh, and and self-imposed physical therapy, he battled his way back to being not only a completely functional, but one of the greatest men of the 20th century. Uh, these were very tough, gritty guys, uh, but neither one of them, I must say, uh, as tough and as resilient uh, as Donald Trump. This this decision in New York State, which I covered yesterday, uh, it's, it's like got a Mad Hatter quality to it. First, we find you guilty. Then we'll have the trial. I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah. Uh, and... and uh, You defrauded the banks. Well, wait a minute. He paid the banks back in full. They made a handsome interest rate on their money, and they had their own lawyers and appraisers, as they have to do by law, looking at everything. This is – and there's never been a decision like this. There's no precedence for this. Robert, it's not just that they want to fine him. Hello? Historic properties in Manhattan. They want to take away his business certificates so he can never do business there in New York State again, state where he was born. Uh, They they want to fine him heavily. Uh, And then when his lawyers uh, make a a perfectly reasonable argument in his defense, uh, the lawyer fines them and sanctions them because he didn't like their arguments. This is... This is Alice in Wonderland.
1: It's seditious. We can't call it. See, I think we have to say there are traitors in our government. There are traitors in our legal system, our justice system. That's traitorous. What they're doing to him. Donald Trump, I remember when he took over the Wallman rink and the big brouhaha with that. They couldn't get it done for eight years. He got it done in four months and saved so much money. Then you have then you have the uh, what he did for the Commodore Hotel and how he built the. He likes beauty. He likes New York. And, and now they want to know. It's it's and Hunter Biden can be on a plane with his father to China, and the Democrats can't make the jump that maybe the father knows what the son is doing in China. You mean the father and son had no conversation, no conversation about their business. And and this is where I if I was on that board yesterday, I would have looked these idiots in the eye and I said, you guys are all seditious. you're liars and you're traitors. If you mean to tell me you have a son or a daughter and you're on a plane ride for them for 25 hours or whatever it might be all over the world, and you're not going to describe what are you doing today, son? Who are you meeting with? Just that alone. Just that alone. And they want to make every excuse in the world. And then they bring up Trump.
0: Yeah, it, it is uh, really uh, spectacular. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to watch. Uh, folks, if you're just tuning in, this is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC Radio. Uh, it is my privilege to talk to a pal of mine, Robert Davi, uh, one of the most uh, celebrated international entertainers in American history. Uh, not only is he a great actor, Uh, And you're in some of my favorite films of all time. But many people don't know he's also an extraordinary jazz vocalist. Uh, I heard him sing at uh, Trump's uh, Doral uh, Resort in Florida several years ago. Guy blew me away. I I have to ask you uh, this, Robert, uh, because uh, I'm a fanboy. You had an opportunity to work with Frank Sinatra. The, the chairman of the board, uh, old blue eyes. Uh, I'm a gigantic Sinatra fan. I liked him in his Tommy Dorsey period. I liked him in his old blue eyes. Uh, I liked him when he came back from retirement. I, I think I probably have everything he's ever recorded. Uh, what was it like to be with, to work with, one of the greatest entertainers of all time, Frank Sinatra?
1: Well, first off, you know, I probably first heard him in utero because uh, I'm a 50s baby. And my, you know, of course, he was at his apex in the 40s. And then he had a little dry spell and then back again after 51, 52, Nelson Riddle. And in the Italian immigrant family, there were two figures, the Pope and Sinatra, and not necessarily in that order, because what Frank Sinatra did for the Italian-American immigrant uh, was a... and not only for the Italian-American, but he was, a, he was the first singer to come out against anti-Semitism and racial bigotry. And uh, he, he felt very deeply. He had a tremendous intensity, a tremendous—he could get upset and anger. To me, he was wonderful. Um, he was very, very uh, supportive uh, over the years, because I met him in 1977. And the first day I saw him on the set, he— I had already shot a scene and he looked at me and he pointed he says that stuff I saw your dailies you're terrific most real stuff in this movie you're great blah 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 and then subsequently over the years he introduced me to people and got me uh, uh, I have a I had, I was a forceps baby and he saw the scars on my neck from the forceps and he showed me his and he says I was a you're a forceps baby I said yeah because me too he says don't let those things bother you and I mean he he was just, um, I got fired from a restaurant in New York. I won't mention the net restaurant. Uh, I've mentioned it before, but I won't mention it because this is a big ABC radio station in New York all over the East there. And uh, I got fired from this place unjustly. And this lit a little fire under myself to go out and get more acting. I was studying, I was a member of the acting studio, working with Stella Adler, studying opera, all this other stuff. But now I had to find a, a ju- you know, doing some plays but film. And this film Sinatra was doing came up for it. I said to my agent, did you inter- um, put me up for it? He says, yeah, but Sinatra's using all his old friends. On a whim, I went up. I get this part. Now I'm ghost starring with Sinatra in this film. Harry Guardino was one of the actors in it. I tell Harry Guardino that I got fired from this place in New York City. He goes, oh, all right. I told him, could you believe it? I and why I got, you know, unjustly fired. We're filming about a month and a half later. He goes, come on, the old man wants to have dinner with us. I go, we get in the limo, we drive. Jilly Rizzo was there, another guy who I won't mention the name, and we drive uptown and turn around and right in front of the restaurant that I got fired from. I look at Harry, he has a smile. I look at Frank, he's got a cat grin on his face. He goes, come on, let's go eat. We go into that restaurant. Well, I'm, <laughs> the the manager that fired me was there. He turned. I've never seen anyone turn so white, especially because we were with someone else who actually controlled all the restaurants in New York. And uh, that was it. He told Frank that story. Frank hated injustice. Frank would read a, a thing on the newspaper that there was a family that was hurt and the fire burned their home and they don't have, and he would say, send them $500, them this is back in the day, $500 worth of groceries. And then he'd think, you know what? They don't have a—send ref- them a new refrigerator. I mean, if there was an artist that was suffering, there's a, uh, he would send them money un- anonymous. He was called Mr. Anonymous. Richard Burton did a wonderful tribute to him, calling him Mr. Anonymous, because he refused when somebody got a job that was hurting. And he would—he loved America. His mother was a big Democrat. They were Roosevelt Democrats at the time. Uh, but he made the transition, you know. From he was with the big support of JFK, as you all know. But he made that transition to a conservative, and it's um, it's. Uh, it, uh, I would just wonder what he would think about what he's seeing in the in the, in the country today.
0: Yeah, I had my I was, own uh, experience with him when I was working for uh, Ronald Reagan's reelection in 1984. Uh, Frank Sinatra came to, to Hoboken, New Jersey to do a rally. He had had a grudge against Hoboken. He hadn't been willing to come back in decades. Uh, my parents who lived in Connecticut, they were working class folks. Uh, and they were just as excited about meeting Frank Sinatra as they were about meeting Ronald Reagan. Uh, and, uh, Frank was, uh, was in a good mood. Uh, and when I introduced him to my mother, he said, he turned to me and he said, you're Sicilian, aren't you? And I said, yes, sir, we are. And he said, Roger Stone, I never would have thought it. And I said, well, you know, some clerk at Ellis Island, what can I say? And he said, kid, do me a favor. I said, yeah. He said, I'm going to leave here in an hour. Can you get somebody to go to Grimaldi's under the bridge in Brooklyn? We're flying out of Teter and grab me a couple of pies to take with me. And I said, yes, yep. sir, I'll have somebody take care of it. Uh, he was incredibly nice, extraordinarily nice to My parents. Uh, he was a, a great man. Uh, I'm probably still to this day his biggest fan. All right, Robert Davia. Unfortunately, we have to wrap it up there. I want to thank you very, very much for making the time for us uh, on this beautiful Sunday to join the Roger Stone show. Uh, and now that I know you're just up the road in Tampa, we got to break bread soon. God bless you, my friend.
1: Bread. And And we don't have to hide. God bless you. And listen, let's keep that Columbus statue up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We talked about that early. God bless you, and many thanks once again. Robert Davi.